What if that fourth quarter Sunday night in Los Angeles ends up becoming a positive? Believe it or not, good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday morning. If you're into hockey and or baseball, I also offer up daily shots of Penguins and Pirates right where you found this. And speaking of Pittsburgh's other teams, I don't do a whole lot of cross-sporting in my commentary. I try to keep each team that I cover in its own lane. There are three of them in Pittsburgh. I cover all three of them equally. As I'm speaking to you right now, I'm in Winnipeg, Manitoba, covering the Penguins. And there's something that's so strikingly similar between the Penguins situation and the Steelers situation that I can't help but relate it to you, even if you're totally not into hockey. And that's this. When the Penguins weren't going well, when they had certain facets of their game that were going really haywire, for lack of a better way to put it, they had one unbelievably dominant period against the Buffalo Sabres in a game exactly a week ago today back in Pittsburgh. And when they had that, they, the coaching staff and the players, decided to embrace that period, even though it was in a losing cause against a nothing special opponent. I thought that was a little risky. I thought, like, what are you doing here? You know, do you really want to go and, you know, do hugs and handshakes with a loss? But they focused on the execution, the processes, the things that they'd been preaching for a while, and how well those had been put into motion on the ice. I believe that if Mike Tomlin and his staff do the same thing, in particular, Matt Canada and the offense, from that fourth quarter against the Chargers, that it'll reap a similar reward to what the Penguins found in playing way, way, way better after that. And there's no component to this football team I will stubbornly maintain that needs it more than the offense. And yes, I'm going to say that after a 41-37 to loss. Because when I look at the defense and everything that went wrong the other night, most of all the final touchdown, it's just guys that are missing. Everything that you saw out there, with one exception, that was bad defensively, comes with an easy cure. Like bringing back T.J. Watt and Minka Fitzpatrick and Joe Hayden. That last play doesn't, doesn't come close to materializing. Chargers don't come close to putting up 533 total yards of offense if those guys are out there. So I'm not going to look at that in a one-week prism, but I will look at this offense. And what they did in the fourth quarter, putting up 27 points in a single quarter. Like, they don't do that over two games normally. 
And a lot of that was with Najee Harris on the sideline. How did they do it? They broke through. They broke through a couple of things that for whatever reason, they either had been unable or even unwilling to do. This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by Point Park University. Choose from nearly 100 career-focused programs leading to bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees. Choose when and how you prefer to do that studying, whether it's at Point Park's gorgeous downtown Pittsburgh campus, whether it's online, maybe a flexible hybrid format works for you. Learn more about all of this at pointpark.edu. This offense attacked, you notice I'm laughing before I even finish the sentence, attacked the middle of the field. Ben Roethlisberger threw passes over the middle. He threw deep balls. Not all of them were perfect, especially early on when his lack of practice over the course of the week had shown. But once he got going a little bit, and once he started trusting his receivers, and once his receivers began making it clear that they were, in fact, trustworthy. That's always a two-way street. He started hooking up. Some of the best balls Ben's thrown all year. Some of the best catches that the wide receivers in particular, obviously Deontay Johnson, had made all year. Everyone got involved. The playbook started to look as versatile as we thought that it might be entering the season right down to the check mark of Eric Ebron being utilized inside the 20. Lots and lots of good stuff. Lots of different components to this offense that hadn't been there. Now, you can, if you choose, beat yourself into a pulp in asking why it wasn't there before, or maybe it's just because the Chargers don't have the world's greatest defense, except that none of that's mattered against other opponents because the Steelers weren't even trying these things. I'm going to say this again. They acted as if they were either unable or unwilling to try this stuff. When Mason Rudolph came in to be the starting quarterback in the one week, the same thing applied. It was the craziest, to to this day of this whole season, the craziest scene I've laid eyes on with this football team. That Mason Rudolph goes out for the first series, fires the ball downfield, and then after that it just gets shut down. Not by the other team, by his own coordinator. By his own playbook. People get mad at Canada for a lot of different things, and I know the... The hot topic out of this one is how they handled a set of downs inside the Los Angeles five-yard line. And look, all of that is that's low-hanging fruit. It's also accurate. He deserves all the criticism that he gets for it. But it's also small potatoes next to this. It's small potatoes next to a mindset, next to confidence, next to believing that you can work your way down the football field without on your own eliminating a significant portion of it. Well, can't go there. Can't do this because they're lined up this way. 
can't do that because of that. Really? Really? Ask yourself when, at any point over this season, you've seen the Steelers look their very, very best offensively. And I'll easily connect it to something that they just went and tried, even though it might not have looked like the obvious route. It might not have been the path of least resistance. I am tired of seeing it. I am tired of hearing from everyone. And this goes for Ben, too. Well, we, we just took what they gave us, or we're trying to take what they give us. I, I understand how football works. I understand that that's smart, okay? I also understand that there's committing to that concept to a grotesque fault, and this team has done that. They didn't do that in the fourth quarter. I believe that's because they were down by a bunch of points and felt like they had nothing to lose. I don't believe that it was because of, ooh, Chargers prevent defense or anything like that. I believe they executed high-level plays, offensively because they took off their own handcuffs and I would love nothing more than to see that continue Sunday night in Cincinnati when we come back just one question comes from Grady who asks DK do you think this offensive line is the future line or are they just placeholders for future players this is an ouch of a question but it's all the more of an ouch because it's legit let's let's name names here when you're talking about the way Kendrick Green has performed in the first half of his first NFL season, and in particular the way he's been exposed over the last three weeks. Physically, from an awareness standpoint, leverage, now even his snaps are coming into question. You'd better believe the Steelers do not have their answer at center. They could hand him the 53 jersey in camp. They could pretend they could treat him special like a starter in the preseason, and no, I will never shut up about that. But you still have to go onto the field, and they're going to find, the opponents are, the coaches, they're going to find every little stupid thing you do wrong. And the more film, the more film you have, the more of this they're going to expose. That's what you're seeing right now. That's what you're seeing. He still has and deserves the opportunity to counterpunch. But look at the body of work to date and tell me where you think that's going to come from. Where is he going to get stronger? Where is he going to find uh, you know, more uh, of an ability to withstand the kind of bull rushes that are knocking him on his rear end? Where does that come from? Like, you know drinking protein shakes over the over the next summer i mean that's just that's not that's not something that you figure out at the nfl level 
There is a reason he lasted to the third round. And I wouldn't be surprised at all to see him get bumped off the center position even over the course of this season. If J.C. Hasnauer hadn't gotten hurt in the game in L.A., you might be having a real dialogue about it right now. Who else? Dan Moore. What do we like about Dan Moore? What have we seen from Dan Moore? We liked him a lot early on, but how much of that was the same thing? How much of that was just hope and wishing and crossing fingers on the Steelers' part? I don't know that I look at him and say, yeah, that's it. They've got their they've got their left tackle. Hell no. Nobody would say that right now. Now, one thing that I'd caution uh, Grady in, in analyzing the offensive line based on Sunday night is the obvious. I mean, you had Joe Haig playing left guard, a position that I don't know that he's ever played before. And you'd be punishing... Joe for being really versatile. He's played both tackle positions and guards and everything else. And, you know, he got cleaned by a great football player, Joey Bosa. He just did. Um, that isn't what you look at in analyzing this because I don't. nobody looks at Joe Haig as the future of the offensive line either. But when you're talking about these draft picks, when you're talking about these guys that were basically anointed the starting offensive line, I'm not looking at any of them as if they've cemented anything. And I'm only leaving Kevin Dotson out of this discussion because he's he's hurt and he's on IR, but he wasn't knocking anybody dead either. He wasn't impressing anywhere near the way he did when he made his cameo appearance last year filling in for Matt Filer. I don't look at this group and think this is it. Left to right. Left to right. I just don't. And that's, you know what? That's not something to pin on the players. That's not something to pin on the coaches. That's all the way to the top. How? And I'm going to ask this for the millionth time. How? If you are Art Rooney the second, do you make a decree in public in January that says your top priority is to run the football, and then you have your coach and your GM have a press conference before the draft, and I was there, it was at Heinz Field, and we're all sitting there, and they're saying it's not just about running back because we're all thinking they're going to draft Najee Harris. And they're saying again and again, it's not just about running back, it's not just about running back. And then they stroll, even strut a little bit, into this season with this line that anyone could have seen months ago was going to play out exactly the way it has. I appreciate the question, Grady. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. Let's do another one tomorrow. 